Consulting is running a series of podcasts during which we speak with some of the UK's most respected and successful people. Today we are talking with John Conte, former WBC light heavyweight boxing champion. Hello John, thank you for joining us today. Hi Sam, yeah, it's great to be here. So you've enjoyed a successful career in the boxing ring. Can you please share a few of your highlights? Uh, yeah, well I I started boxing when I was 11 years of age in Liverpool, in uh, <coughs> Kirby, although I was born in Toxford. Uh, yeah, in 51, I left in 55 for the new town, Kirby, about 12 miles north of Liverpool. And uh, my dad uh, started to teach me to box when I was uh, 11 years of age. He wasn't a boxer himself, but he liked boxing. Uh, his job was a welder uh, in Kirby. And uh, big family, eight boys, two girls. So he had 10 children. And I was the fourth eldest. I was 11 years of age, like I said. I was, he was teaching me actually about a year before that, a few little moves. Then when I started getting good, he took me down to KB Amateur Boxing Club, which was just, at that time, it was just outside of the KB. It was in an old disused RAF camp called RAF Physically. Funny name, but uh, yeah, just outside, a couple of miles outside of KB. And uh, there I met uh, Charlie Atkinson and uh, Tucker Edmondson. Tommy Singleton, uh, and uh, yeah, they were great trainers. And uh, took and then a couple of years, about a year later, two years later, we got our own brand new stadium in Kirby. So we moved from the old uh, disused RAF camp into Kirby. So that would have been about uh, 1963. Shall I keep on? Go. Yeah, no, you go for it. Please share. It's not like an egomaniac even going on, you know, uninterrupted. <laughs> Uh, no, at all. Not at all. Yeah, uh, eleven years of age, and then um, I uh, I wasn't doing much until about I didn't do a lot as a junior or as a schoolboy, um, not successfully anyway. And it wasn't until I was defeated in the junior ABA championships in 1968 down in the finals in Basildon in Essex, I actually took it seriously because I got beat. I came back and I thought, well, I was at a bit of a crossroads, and I thought. Well, could I have committed myself more to this? And I thought, yes. I said, well, if I'm going to go forward, well, I'll really commit myself to it. And that was, I made the decision to go forward and totally committed myself to it. So then I won a couple of ABA titles in 1970 and 71, and middleweight and light heavyweight. And also in 1970, I went up to Edinburgh and represented England in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, and uh, yeah, I got a gold medal there. And I came, came back. And I uh, went to the European Championships. Didn't do very well there. And uh, I came back. And then I was getting offers of money to turn pro, to come down to London and turn professional. So I took up the offer, uh, which was a year before the Olympics. And um, it was such a good offer, I thought I'd take, take the money, you know, come down and uh, go on the uh, professional career. And so I signed up with George Francis. Uh, and I was living in Highgate. The gym was in Hampstead. And, uh, but I used to I used to live in Highgate. I used to run over the uh, Highgate, the Parliament Hill Fields, Hampstead Heath, basically, in the morning and then in the afternoon in the gymnasium in um, Haverstock Hill, in an old disused uh, sort of in a in a pub called the Lord of Hay. It was originally called, but when Sir Henry Cooper went there, he started he trained over there in the 60s, and they changed it to the uh, Noble Art. 
This is a reference to the uh, boxing. And uh, that's where I started my professional career in that gymnasium in uh, 1971. And uh, I went on with George's training and help, you know, to win the uh, British Commonwealth European and World Championships in 1973 and 74. And in 73, I boxed Chris Finnegan for the uh, British Commonwealth Championships. Uh, a couple of months before that, I boxed first of all, got the European Championship against a guy from Germany, Rudy Schmicker. And then uh, we had, so we had uh, three titles then after I boxed Chris. And then um, I went on to the uh, fight Georgia Mahogany Marla from Argentina at the Empire Pool Wembley, which is now the Wembley Arena, and over 15 rounds. It was 15 rounds and not 12. I won on a, a unanimous points decision. Wow. I think I'll have a little break now. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a few highlights there. Yeah, I, I don't know where to stop. I thought, you know, you, usually you're waiting for the uh, for the interviewer to ask you another question type of thing in between the breaks. I've got another one if you're ready for it. Yeah, yeah. What was it like growing up in Liverpool? Well, we was a big family, like I said, and we were poor, you know, like everybody else around us. And uh, the uh, my dad always worked, you know, he's a, he's a welder. Yeah, my mother as well was looking after us all, you know, she she was, you know, she had her hands full, you know, ten children and um so uh yeah, it was uh, tough and um but we got by somehow, you know, we always seemed to get by and uh and that was it. So which is a good background for certainly for me. I, as I understood it was the hunger, you know. The hunger as a boxer. Yeah. So hungry, you know, you you're desperate and you wanna make uh, I, I was doing athletics at school, uh, I was doing football uh, at school, and um, some of the lads I was playing with went on to the professional career, you know, uh, like Teddy McDermott, I used to play with Teddy, who played for uh, Liverpool, Newcastle, and England, and he went on to do uh, his trade through football, and I, I, I had a like a toss up between was it going to be football or athletics or boxing, and I chose uh, committed myself to uh, to boxing. What qualities do you think enabled you to be a successful boxer? Let me just honestly looking at what you you're going into. What is it you're going into? Do you know what it demands? Mm-hmm. What you and do you know what you have to do? To respond to those demands to fulfill your potential whatever that is you know and can you give a hundred percent and all those i said yeah i could do that yeah uh, I, I know what i was going into make the decision and they give a hundred percent it was your life it was your trade your life so it was like each 24 hours a day then eat sleep and drink it although you're only training twice a day but you're totally committed to it yeah? and then on the night of the fight when well, I mean, you the build up to the training with the, your trainer and all that, learning all your moves and one thing or another, preparing, preparation. And then on the night of the fight, just letting it go, you know, round by round. And you don't have to think, well, I've got to do 15 rounds. You say, no, yeah, they only come one, one round at a time. So give it everything you've got within that round and you're fit enough. That's where I used to train. Georgie Francis, my manager, used to say, most fights are won and lost on the training ground. And uh, I found that true. Uh, so I used to practice on the training ground mentally as if I was running up a hill or running uh, 
whether they'll have, we used to have a pack of boxes with us in the morning, like, you know, running good other great fighters, Bunny Steele and Bunny Johnson, um, yeah, they were great fighters. Uh, Pat McCann, uh, these are called British champions and European champions, great fighters. But we were all racing against each other in the morning, you know, we used to wear boots, Doc Martin boots type of thing, and uh, little weights, little weights in the hand, just to make it harder. And you're always in their mind, you're always thinking it's the fighter pushing you in the ring on the night. And then you got the endurance. And uh, yeah, that's what I used to play. That's what I used to train for. And is there anything you wish you'd known when you first began your career? No, I find that a difficult question. I was thinking about it before when you uh, sent the questions to me, and that was one of them. And uh, it's a funny one because you can answer in all kinds of different ways, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, I don't know, academically. Uh, you know, studying it, uh, you know, spiritually, you know, overview the whole thing, you know. And then you'd say, would you, would you do anything different? I don't think, well, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> Before you were born? Because <laughs> oh, it covers all that, certain areas of uh, like spirituality or religion or belief and all that covers all that, doesn't it? Before you were born. And, uh, yeah. and uh, should I, could I ask the same question to my mother and my father, that type of thing, or whatever? Uh, and I'm sure, yeah, you'd say, you'd say, yes, obviously I'd do this and I'd do that. But then you think, well, hang on, what's the motive behind it? The deep motive is, that, well, if you do that, to, to do what? What do you mean? So you get all those things right then on the, the exam paper, whatever it is, exactly perfect. Yeah, and then what? Is that it then? You've got it covered for life. No? Life's bigger than that's going to throw things at you, going to make mistakes and... And um, obviously, I think when you look back, even as I'm talking now, you you learn things, you know, and uh, or you hopefully you, you do, you know, and 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 you, and you can dialogue it like I'm dialoguing it with you now, so it comes into the realm as a dialogue you know, of life, you know. And well, what do you think about that? You saying, well, would I have changed anything overall this moment right now? No, it couldn't be because it couldn't have been changed from where I'm from that from one point I'm coming from couldn't have been changed you know? uh, and obviously if I go back and say could I change you it practically you know yes you can do different things but I did different things then I changed things then like I got I made losses I had losses defeats came back crossroads had a thought could I change this yes and made so you that's it so you've done the best you could yeah at that time uh, and, uh, and that's it now I've gone into uh, I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> it was a very good answer. Yeah, once you start going into that, I start going into the deep stuff. That's it. I get lost. I need caving equipment. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to someone starting their professional boxing career now? Well, the same thing as I've just said. Totally commit yourself to it. Totally dedicated. If you've got the talent as well, you know, uh, then it's up to you. It's a mental thing, you know. As you want to commit yourself to it totally you know what you're going into you know what's going to demand uh and then you know you've got the tools and the talent to, to deal with that there's just the mind you know your cut's a bit like a formula one car i always think you know it won't let you down it's everything the mechanics won't let you down it's fantastic you know uh just a, you're the driver it's you your mind you're like uh, the ceo of the company type of thing you know it's you who's going to direct you and uh, you're fit enough to do that and you've got all the tools and the people behind you uh, uh, to back up, back all that up. 
I just give it. And so preparation, like my trainer said, most fights are won and lost on the training ground. So preparation is like the fuel for the car, really, like the Formula One car, I was saying. It's full up to the tank. It won't let you down if you're prepared. And uh, it's a bit funny because you have stops, you know, and if you think four to refuel in the in the Formula One. Whereas in the in the boxing, when you don't get refueled, you got to have the tanks there to, for the for the whole uh, fight, you know, whether it be 12 rounds or 15 rounds, as it was then, you know. Uh, and you get your brakes out as in between rounds, you know, and you just sit down. It's not a, it's not a refuel to get fitter, you know, for the thing to go. You've already you should have already prepared for that before you got in there. So totally honest with yourself, commit yourself to it, and enjoy it then. You've made your decision and give yourself a time limit, let's say, or a time frame of three years. I'd say, well, I'll give me, I'll give what I came mid term pro. I thought I'd give it three years and see how far I get with that mindset as I just described. And let's see. And like I said, he had 24 hours a day, eat, sleep, and drink. If it didn't tally up as boxing, I went in one ear and out the other. That's the same I would anyone else giving it to anybody else. And what did you get up to when you ended your boxing career? Uh, well, I, I'm married, you know, we have two children with Veronica. We've been married now we, since 1940, uh, uh, 41, uh, sorry, nearly 50. Uh, yeah, well, 79. Uh, 40, 41 years, yeah. We've been married. We got married and uh, we, got, we met in 74 when I won the world title. So we've been together 46 years. Our children are 43 and 42. We've got two grandchildren, seven twins. My, you know, my daughter's got, you know. So we're totally committed to the, that, that's fantastic, you know, the family and um, they only have three doors away as well, my daughter. So yeah, really? That's good, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then out after the boxing, I sort of, uh, you know, lose, you lose your way a little bit up and down, you know, with different reasons and that. And then you find it or whatever and you had to make a decision to stay on the sort of right path, so, 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 so to speak. And then, um, yeah, I do advertise, a bit of advertising, a bit of filming. I've got an equity card on a film in the past, and I was on Blood Brothers, Willie Russell's musical, Blood Brothers. So I've got experience, a bit of acting and uh, that. I haven't done that for a long time. So, and then I do after dinner speaking for the last 25 years or so, you know, on the circuit there, on the after dinner circuit, and uh, which is great. And um, then uh, I'm involved with a, a golf a lot. My son's a golfer. He, uh, he, I got him got in, in, into the golf at uh, seven years of age when I started to take it up. So because it was so complicated, and I thought I know the trick. You got to get in early. I suppose like anything like with me with boxing and all it. So that was so it was a really good goal for you. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I do a lot of uh, charity golf with the Variety Club. Sparks, different individual charities. Played yesterday for uh, for Sparks. How did uh, uh, Sorry, we played yesterday for Variety, Variety Club, actually, not Sparks. Because uh, Sparks have joined um, Great Ormond Street now the last three years, so we don't have as many golf days, which is obviously it's uh, whatever suits Great Ormond Street. The charity was is great, you know, it must be the best thing. But uh, we've got all kinds of other different charities as well. But Variety Club's the big one. We do about 20 of them a year for the Sunshine Coaches. Uh, yeah, so that's... 
So you just didn't, do you know what I mean? The answer to the question, you're looking back historically trying to give you the quest, the answers to what I've been doing. And then right up to right now, as you and things come in from day to day, and you let your family in, just like everybody else, just keep getting on with it. Yeah. What do you do to relax nowadays? Well, the golf. The golf, yeah. Yeah, play the golf and uh, play with uh, grandchildren. It's fantastic, you know, it's a great buzz. And um, yeah, uh, and uh, I do uh, crosswords. I do the Times and the Telegraph. Crossword, uh, <laughs> right? Which is true in a way, but what I do, I just look for the answer, the cryptics. <laughs> I just look at the answers. It's so so confusing. So, uh, and then I try to learn why it's so confusing. And then I get an idea of it. You keep doing it. 90% of just put the answers in, you know, but you try and learn from the answers. What, why? Why do why that's an answer? And you get, get on, get on with it, like, you know, it's good. I started off with the other sort of easier crosswords. And, um, and um, but they were sort of, I uh, wanted something uh, more challenging. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll have to get myself a bowl of hat and uh, one of those briefcases and start going into the city with the uh, times on me. Blah. <laughs> it's difficult to get away from the subject of COVID-19. How do you think it's going to affect taking part and watching sport in the future? Well, yeah, it is. It already has, hasn't it? It's already affected it across the well across. But uh, people are dealing with it. The people who are in the like the mechanics, the professionals, or whatever it is, we can handle these in each different area. That's what I'm getting across from the television, including the politics, politicians, the medical, the science, to give you the information and all that. But uh, so I just take direction from them and do. Then, then it's just common sense, isn't it? Try and keep your distance and take direction from. It's a bit like me. I go back to the corner. I was related to the boxing. It's easy for me. Go back to the corner and you just take direction from them. You don't listen to anything, your own stuff. You, you know, you go back and uh, they see things uh, like your corner people can see things that you can't see. Openings and uh, also uh, openings to you know to be to beat your opponent uh, to attack, let's say, and also openings that you're open where you can be attacked, like this stuff. You know, so when they can see that, but more than you can, and then you go back to the corner and you got a minute to give you the information, take it in, go back and do your job. I think it's the same thing with this, you know, take the information from the professionals and then uh, you do, you know, just a common sense thing. Thank you very much. I think that was all of our questions. Ah, great, Sam, yeah, thanks.